Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. What an exciting time of water baptism. I just love that and I want to encourage you. That if you have given your life to Christ, but you haven't taken that step, I would love to talk with you more about that. And the next time that we have water baptism, I'd love to, to, uh, to be able to help you take that step uh, of obedience to the Lord. Well, today we're in part two of our series out of uh, Hebrews chapter 11 that we're calling By Faith. And uh, over 17 times, just in this one chapter alone, Hebrews chapter 11, it says the words, By Faith. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. And on and on and on and on. And so what we find is, is that this is an incredible chapter where we're unpacking by looking at these illustrations of life. We're unpacking what it means to live your life by faith. What does it mean to live by faith. And so Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 lays the foundation. We did this last week by talking about the concept and definition of faith. And it says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Let's just begin a quick review. Three key words we talked about and discussed last week. First word is this, substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's not a feeling, it's not a hope against the wind, it's not an emotion. Faith finds itself in substance. It has to be based on something or on someone. And whether you are a religious person or not, whether you would classify yourself as a Christian or whether you would classify yourself as an atheist, everybody lives in some way by faith. Everybody has faith. You say, there is no God. Well, then how did all of this come to be? Who told you? Where did you get that information? Because that is what you have chosen to put your faith in, and that's how you live as a response to what you've chosen to believe, who you've chosen to believe, what sources you've chosen to believe, and where you've chosen to put your faith. When it comes to our physical bodies and health, there are certain things that we can read. And somebody says, well, if you do this, this, and this, this will make you healthier. If you work out and do this, this will make you healthier. If you go to this doctor, this will make... Somewhere along the line, you're believing something or somebody, and you're putting your faith in in hopes that the evidence that you will see that's not there yet will come to be based on what you put your faith in. And so as believers, we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We put our faith in the substance of Jesus Christ and his word, and we are hoping and believing based on the evidence that we've seen, based on the witnesses before. So the surer the substance, the more solid the faith. The second key word is evidence, and that means to bring to light. It also means conviction or certainty. I, my physical eyes might not be able to see something, but spiritually by faith, based on the evidence that I have seen in God's word, based on what I know about God and know about his character, the unseen, I continue to believe, will come to pass and will be seen because of faith. We're so convinced by this, the evidence, that we act, we act on it. 
In fact, a formal definition of faith we talked about last week is faith is simply acting like God is telling the truth. Faith is in walking, not in talking. There are a lot of people that talk, a good talk about faith, but the actions of their life say something different. And the book of James talks about the fact that faith without works is what? Dead. Dead. Faith is simply taking God at his word. It's trusting the source. Faith acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. I had to say that again, because that was so good from last week. The third word was witness, so Hebrews 11:2. for by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. Who were the people of old? Well, the witnesses that chapter 11 begins to unpack. And whenever you have a court case and you've got to try to help prove a point, it's always good to bring credible witnesses up on the witness stand, to bring people up on the witness stand that talk about how they experience it, that talk about what they have seen and what they have heard and what they observed to help prove the point. And that's what happens here in Hebrews chapter 11. He begins with the concept and the definition of faith, and then he begins to illustrate it as he calls witness after witness from the Old Testament to testify about their faith. And that's what we see. And so today we're going to begin with the first witness today, Abel. Hebrews 11:4. by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Now, how many of you know a witness speaks? A witness testifies. They speak. So the writer of Hebrews here ends verse uh, 4 in chapter 11 by saying, though dead, he still speaks. So the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is, what does Abel have to say? What does Abel have to say? What does Abel have to say that the writer of Hebrews wrote this that, that would so impact us? And so to, to do that, we need to take a look at, at, at who is Abel. We need to take a look at the Bible. Where is this story? Where do we find Abel and, and his brother here, Cain? Where do we find that? We have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And what is Abel speaking to us? He's speaking to us about worship. And so today we're going to talk about worshiping by faith. It says this, starting in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was a worker of the ground. So Adam and Eve, they had, they had sinned against the Lord. They had, they, had, uh, they had eaten what he told them not to eat. They were then, uh, as a part of that, they were kicked out of the garden. And, and as they began to live their lives, they had children together. And the firstborn, Eve became pregnant. Her firstborn son is Cain. Later, she gives birth to a secondborn son, and she names him Abel. And Cain and Abel were brothers. We're not told how many years apart they were. We don't know. But what we do know is that Cain worked in the field, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep. He was a shepherd. So we'll continue. Verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. So what we see here is that Cain and Abel were both raised in what we would call a God-oriented home. They were both raised in a home that believed in God. They were raised in a home that, that you could say they were raised in church. 
all right? They were raised in a home that believed in God, that believed in the worship of God. And Adam and Eve, although they had sinned, they knew how to worship God. The very fact that both Cain and Abel here are bringing offerings to the Lord tells me that their parents taught them how to worship. Their parents taught them how to worship. Their parents taught them what they ought to do and that they ought to bring offerings and they ought to worship the Lord. We're talking about a Christian home here. We might even say again, they're raised in church, but when it comes to worship, we learn three important things from this passage. I'll call them prescriptions to worship. First of all, there was a prescribed time to worship. It says they were bringing an offering. The phrase here, which is translated in the course of time in Hebrews means at the end of days. And what this really gives a strong suggestion of is that there was a period of time in their lives where they were to bring offerings to the Lord. And we're not exactly sure how this instruction came about. Perhaps it came about when, when Adam and Eve had sinned and they tried to bring their own covering and instead God had, had supplied that covering by slaying an animal and putting the skin over them and covering them. That was the first sacrifice we see. But along the line, God had taught them how to worship, when to worship, and there was a prescribed time in which they were coming to bring their offerings. The end of days. We don't know if it's at the end of the winter season or just before spring. We don't know if it's at the time of harvest. But throughout Scripture, we see that the Lord establishes times for His people to bring offerings. In fact, when you look at the Old Testament, if you follow in the, in the time of Exodus through Moses, God established the tabernacle, and he established a place within the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies, and there was a mercy seat, and the high priest would come on the Day of Atonement, and he would offer a sacrifice on behalf of the nation. There was a, there was a prescribed time. One day a year, the Day of Atonement in which it would come, there were other prescribed times where they would bring offerings through the various seasons. And so we, we, we can see that throughout Scripture there was a prescribed time. In the course of time, Cain and Abel came to worship and to give their offerings. Secondly, there was a prescribed place of worship. What's implied in this text is that they both brought their offerings to a prescribed place. There was a definite place where they were to appear in the presence of the Lord, and they were come to offer their offerings. We don't know exactly where this is or what this was, but we know that they came both to a place and they offered their sacrifices. And again, consistent with the pattern of the tabernacle, later the temple, where you had the Holy of Holies and the high priest, and you would bring your sacrifices to be offered to that place before the Lord. Thirdly, the prescription of worship, there was a prescribed way of worship. And this is what we're going to focus on this morning. There was a prescribed way of worship. Both Cain and Abel bring their offerings to the Lord. They both come to worship. And yet what we see in this passage is that God accepted Abel's offering, but he did not accept Cain's offering. And before we get to the why of explaining kind of this tricky passage of Scripture the fact that God accepted one offering and not the other tells us that there was a prescribed way in which they were to come and bring an offering to the Lord. Hebrews 11:4 by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Offered here reflects an act of obedience. Abel didn't simply believe that a sacrifice would be acceptable. He assessed that the divine blessing by means of obedience would come by a prescribed method, by a prescribed way in which he was to obey and bring his offering. Later, when Cain is angry that his offering is not accepted, the Lord tells him this in Genesis 4, 7, because I know I'm getting some pushback. I can feel it. It says this, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? 
In other words, you know what to do and you are not doing it. There was a prescribed way. There was a way in which both of them had been raised in this God-oriented home. They had both been taught by their parents how to worship. One of them came by faith and, and prescribed way of worship, and God accepted the offering. And the other one came in, and there was something wrong. Cain came in, and it was wrong. And God said, wait a minute, hold on. Why are you angry at me? If you do what is right, if you will do this, will I not accept your offering? Will you not? find my blessing. This is so important for us to give because the action words here are an expression of faith. They're a vivid testimony. Their actions, what they do is connected to their faith. Throughout the 11th chapter of Hebrews, as noble as the Old Testament characters come into view, it becomes clear that through the by-faith passage of each one of these characters, that there is an equivalent of by-faith saying the believer yielded to divine instruction. In fact, W.E. Vine observed that Abel's by-faith sacrifice was based on a revelation which God had made. God revealed the way. He revealed the order of our worship that was needed to be acceptable to God. And that revealed way was that first, if you're going to bring an offering, before you come to worship, you've got to deal with sin. You've got to deal with sin. And how do you deal with sin? Through sacrifice. There's nothing here that would indicate that Cain came with an insincere attitude. When he brought the fruit of the ground, there's no reason the text shares that, that he's less than honest in an attempt that he had to worship God in a way that he saw fit. But rather, his error obviously was that he believed in a principle called substitution, that it mattered not what he brought as long as he brought something. Think about that. He felt maybe he could engineer a plan as well as anyone. He was a prototype. Later on in the Old Testament, there's a guy by the name of Jeroboam who doesn't want to offer the sacrifices in Jerusalem. There's a split between he and, and David's son, uh, grandson, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, in the kingdom. Jeroboam takes over, takes a whole group with him. He doesn't want them going back to Jerusalem to worship because he feels as if their heart might be turned. And so instead, he creates his own way of worship that was not acceptable to God and that led the, the tribes of Israel that followed Jeroboam into years and years and years and years of idolatry and eventually captivity. There's a prescribed way of worship. And Cain didn't come by, by the right way of worship. Abel offered his gifts by faith. Cain brought his gifts by sight. That is his own emotion and personal judgment. And there's a vast difference between the two approaches. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 warns us with this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way to death. I'm going to tell you today, there are too many people inside and outside the church that have Cain worship. They don't understand that when we come to worship God, you've got to deal with sin. If you don't deal with sin, then your worship is not acceptable. Whoa, pastor, hold on. What about grace? The grace comes through Jesus Christ and what he did. That's what scripture is clear on. Offering good works, offering something else that we think should be good enough, that God should accept that in place as a substitute to what Jesus Christ did, will not be acceptable to God. 
Scripture is clear that the way in which we worship is we have to begin by dealing with sin. And the way in which we deal with sin is through who? Through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Oh, but that's so narrow. Is that narrow because of human reasoning? Or because of what God's word says? And if that's narrow because of human reasoning, then you've chosen to put your faith in some human that has told you there's multiple ways to get to God and not in the Bible that says there's only one way to get to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. Because nobody did what Jesus Christ did. If anyone, 1 John 2, 1 and 2, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation, that word means substitute for our sins, and not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. The, the way to salvation, the way to deal with sin is through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ became that sacrifice. If you remember the two sacrifices, when Abel was a shepherd, what did Abel do? Abel brought the, the, the first of his flock. He, he brought the lamb. He, he brought what was required and slayed the lamb. And he offered the fat portions and the blood of that lamb atoned for his sin. God had set that up right in the garden when Adam and Eve tried to come with their own coverings. They tried to come with their own fig leaves. They tried to come in their own way, their own human manufactured way to provide a covering for the shame and the guilt that they had experienced because they disobeyed God. And God said, no, 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 your way is not good enough. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And later on, when Jesus Christ came, John the Baptist, the forerunner, said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God. And by offering him on the cross as a sacrifice, by Jesus Christ willingly laying down his life, he became that sacrifice once and for all. And we can only find redemption and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There is no other way. Your good works are not good enough. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. You can try and try and try and try in your own strength and in your own way and really in your own pride because you're saying, Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, your sacrifice was not good enough. I've got to do it on my own. Or you can choose the way that God promised earlier in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 19 to 22 say this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts, look at this, sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What, what is this talking about? There was a veil in the temple that separated the Holy of Holies, the place where the mercy seat was and where the sacrifice would be made, and only the high priest could enter one day out of the year. And that high priest would first have to offer sacrifices and go through a whole ritual of cleansing first before he could be even enter through the curtain. But Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, his flesh was the curtain. And by his broken body, the curtain in the temple, when it said, it is finished, was torn in two, opening up the way to be able to go to God for forgiveness of sin, but that is going through the new veil, Jesus Christ and his broken body. So if we want to worship the way God 
accepts, then we've got to deal with sin the way God prescribes in His Word. But too many times we want to come into worship without dealing with sin. We want to come in offering whatever we want to offer to God as if that's okay and God ought to just accept us and bring us in without dealing with sin the way He prescribes in His Word. See, Abel believed God and brought the offering and the worship that God desired. But Cain believed in in God. He, he didn't believe God. He believed in God as evidenced through his offering of his own choosing. There's a difference between believing in God and believing God. There are a lot of people that believe in God. But to believe in God is to take God at his word. And what his word says, that's what you follow in obedience. When you're not willing to follow in obedience what God's word says, but you say, I believe in God, you believe in God, but you don't believe God. I know this isn't a picnic message. There's a difference. We can't come as in our own choosing. Another difference involved the substance of their offering. Genesis 4, we're given a description of the offerings. Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. See, true, true worship involves substance, okay? The faith is the substance. True worship involves substance. We're bringing something. We're offering something. You say, well, what do I have to offer the Lord? Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 tells us what we have. Paul wrote this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in other words, because of the mercy of God, because of what Jesus Christ did, here's what we're to do. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We're to come and offer ourselves. We're to offer our bodies in worship to the Lord. We're to offer our bodies. We're to offer ourselves. That's what we offer the Lord. Worship is more than just singing songs in a church service. And trust me, I enjoy singing songs. Man, I love singing songs. I love singing songs. But worship is a whole lot more than that. It involves bringing something of an offering to the Lord, something to offer the Lord. And throughout Scripture, something was offered when it came to worship. And when we look at the substance of what it was offered, we see Cain, the worker of the field, he brought some fruit of the ground. Nothing wrong with the fruit of the ground, but it just describes it just simply as the fruit of the ground. Where Abel, it says, he brought the firstborn and the fat portions. The description of the offerings gives us an idea of the attitude that was involved in their worship. Cain just brought some of what he harvested, while Abel brought the first and the best. Abel's offering indicated a priority and indicated the value that he placed upon the Lord. Where Abel brought the best in worship, Cain brought the leftovers. It indicates the value they placed. The value they ascribed was shown in the quality of what they brought. The quality of Abel's offering was the first fruits and the best, the fat portions. Cain just brought some. God wasn't given much worth. Some of us are giving God leftover worship. You're giving God junk worship. I know, right? When we're worshiping the Lord, we're not coming with our best. We're coming with the leftovers. Our faith indicates what we offer the Lord. And when we come like that, we're saying God isn't worthy of our best. Something else is. Something else is. Maybe it's because we've been too busy. Maybe we've been too busy giving our best to our job. Maybe we've been too busy giving our best to a hobby. Giving our best to a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a spouse, our children. 
some material possession that we own that we just have to sink so much time and money and resources and energy we can't serve in any other way and if we can if we if it if it fits into our schedule and something else isn't more important then we then we come and offer to the Lord in worship then we then we come to church Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday we give ourselves and our energy and everything else Sunday morning comes and we're like oh I don't know if I want to get out of bed I don't know if I can do that let me tell you something, then I've got tickets to go to the Browns game and I want to go down and I want to, you know, I'll, I'll figure out a way to do that on Sunday. I want to go see the Indians play, I'll figure out a way. I'll sacrifice in some way because I'm sacrificing to what is really important to me. We give ourselves over to so many other things, but we don't give priority and our best to God in worship. Listen, God is worthy of more than just the leftovers of our lives. When we give him the leftovers, we might as well be offering Cain worship and we wonder why we come and we give God the leftovers of our worship on Sunday. We give the leftovers of our worship through the week. Oh, if I get to my devotions, I don't know if I have time. I'm too tired to spend time with God this week. We give God the leftovers and then we wonder why our offerings are not accepted. We wonder why our lives are a mess. We wonder why our families are a mess. We wonder why our jobs are a mess. We wonder why our relationships are a mess. We wonder why we struggle with sin and we can't get victory. Maybe it's because we're offering junk worship. Maybe because the worship of our lives isn't by faith, it's by reason. We reason what it's okay for us to give. We're going to have a picnic later. <laughs> I struggled with whether to preach this today. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And don't abuse the mercy and grace of God. The prophet Malachi addressed this, first chapter. It says this, but you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? God replies by offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for a sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame and diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? What that's talking about is value. Value. All of a sudden, it's okay to offer our governor. It's okay to offer somebody else the, the best but we offer God the leftovers or what we, what we, you know, oh, well, I don't know if I really want to give that. Listen to what he says. He said, would he, be, would he accept you? Now plead with the Lord God to be gracious to us. With self-offerings from your hand, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh that, one, oh, that you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. God says, I'd rather you shut the doors of the temple. I'd rather you close the doors of the church. I'd rather you stop even, even trying to bring me an offering if it's going to be your leftovers, if it's going to be the lame stuff that you, you have, the lame offerings that you want to bring me. You want to give the best to everything else. You want to give the best to all this other. But for me, you just want to, well, God, you should be okay with just the leftovers of what I'm bringing. I'm too tired. I'll just give you the leftovers of what I'm bringing. And you should be okay with that. God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Who do you think I am? Useless fires. Man, God is worthy of our best, isn't he? God is worthy of our best. Our offering is an indication of our faith. By faith, Abel offered to God what he required. 
Abel's offering of his first and his best was an indication of the faith that he had and, and to God. And it was a reflection of the value that he placed on God. When you value your relationship with God, when you say, God, you are worthy, not just sing you are worthy. When you say, God, you are worthy, then you offer offerings to a worthy God that are worthy of God. The first and the best. Well, I don't know. I got more of my life I want to live. I'm just going to try to live for myself. And, you know, and then just then when things start going wrong, you, you got to fix it. Look at this. I want to follow the, the result. What's the result? You say, oh, is that really a big deal? Genesis 4. Let's read verse 5. We're going to read the second half in verse 6. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And this is as a result of his offering not being accepted or consumed. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? You know the result of leftover worship? Anger and depression. Anger and depression. Some of you are angry all the time. You're angry all the time. You're down all the time. Why? Because you've given God leftover worship. Your worship ain't right and it's affecting your emotions. Your worship isn't right. You haven't dealt with sin. You're not dealing with sin. You're not dealing with the real problem. And so you're angry. But rather than take your anger out where it needs to be and deal with it, you start being angry at everybody else. That's what happened with Cain. Rather than he was angry with God, but he started taking it out on his brother. There are some of you taking it out on your spouse. You're taking it out on your kids. You're taking it out on your brothers, your sisters, your parents. You're taking your anger out on everybody else. And your anger is, 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 is misplaced because your worship is misplaced. Worship is off. If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is, to, is contrary to you. But you must rule over it. God tells Cain how to fix the situation. Do well means to obey. If you truly have faith in me, then do what I require. If you truly have faith in me, then do what I require. Deal with sin the way I require. Give me what I require. Come on. Come on. Some of you, your emotions are off. You're angry, you're depressed, but your worship is off. Your worship is off. You insist on doing it your way. I'm going to offer God my way. I'm going to give it my way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to offer God my way. God ought to accept that. That's grace, right? God ought to accept whatever we throw at him. Listen, God did a prescribed way for us to worship a prescribed way for us to come to him, a prescribed way, and that is to deal with sin and to give God our best. To give God our best. The foothold is this, that when you don't deal with sin, sin is crouching at the door. It's like an animal that's getting ready to pounce. He gives it a person. He gives it a personality. It's getting ready to crouch. Sin is at the door. Getting, didn't I already sit? You have a deal with sin, and you won't have to worry. But if you don't, if you continue to be angry, if you continue to, be, to unforgive, you, you continue to have your worship off, sin is there, and it wants to master you. It wants to control you. Listen, listen, through Jesus Christ, you can rule over it. But if you don't come through Jesus Christ, sin is crouching at the door, and it wants to master you. Cain probably never thought he'd kill his brother. Some of you never thought you'd do some of the things you do. But when your worship is off, and you don't deal with it the way that God wants you to deal with it, then you find your doing things you never thought you would do. Things you never thought you were capable of. That's why it's so important to get our worship right. It's so important to, to, by faith, get our worship right. It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus Christ gave us what we need. 
But Cain refused to get his worship right. He insisted on offering God what he wanted. And as a result, sin overtook him and he murdered his brother Abel. His anger toward God turned to anger towards others. All because his worship wasn't right. People around him got hurt. Some of you are hurting those around you because your worship isn't right. Time to get our worship right. Hebrews 11:4, the ending, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks, speaking of Abel. Abel's still speaking. Although physically dead because of his faith, he still lives and he still speaks. The question is, what's he saying to us today? What's he saying? Is your worship right? That's what he's saying. That's what he's asking. Is your worship right? Have you dealt with sin in your life the way God requires by faith through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice? Are you trying to do it your own way? Trying to deal with sin your own way? Are you offering God your best? Are you prioritizing worship in your life? Or are you simply giving God the leftovers? Abel worshiped by faith, giving God his first and his best. He didn't believe in God. He believed God. He took God at his word. And when God said something, he followed it in obedience. Is your worship right? Is your worship right? Have you dealt with sin? Have you dealt with sin the way Jesus says to deal with sin? I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to be a good person. Come to Jesus Christ and let him make you into a good person. Let him make you righteous. Oh, but, I, but I'm trying to do these things. Listen, your efforts, don't, it's not about your efforts. It's about what he did. Are you giving God your best or are you giving something else your attention? Giving God the leftovers. It's time to repent, friends. It's time to give God what he requires. It's time to give him what he requires. It's time to offer ourselves to him. Let's bow our heads this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning, the Holy Spirit's been working with you. Holy Spirit's just been impressing upon your heart. And say, you know what? I, I've got I've to deal with sin. I've got to deal with it through Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe you, 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 you've tried some other things. You've tried to be good. You've tried to, to work. You've tried to change. You, you've, been, you've been doing but today. Today you want to surrender to Jesus Christ. And you want to say, Jesus, I come to you. I come to you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need to, to put the sin that I have on you. I need to give it to you. I need to experience your forgiveness and your grace. And you're here this morning. Maybe you've done this before, but then you went back to your old ways. You went back to trying your own ways. Or maybe you've never done this before. But today you say, you know what? I, I need forgiveness through Jesus Christ today. I want to I give my life to Christ. I need his forgiveness and his grace. If that's you, will you slip up your hand this morning? I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Yeah, Jesus, I give it to you. That's it. Jesus, I give it to you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Let's pray with those that raise their hands today. Will you just pray with me? If you raise your hand today, will you just pray with me? Let's just ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into our lives and for his forgiveness and his grace today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your love and your mercy. I ask you today to forgive me of my sin.
I give my sin to you. And I ask for you, your blood, to cover my sin. I ask you to come into my life and to make me new. I offer my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Secondly, this morning, before we continue, you've offered your life to Jesus Christ, but lately you've found that you've not been giving God your best. You haven't been giving God your best. I, want to t- I just want to encourage you to repent today. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but I want to ask you to repent today. That's between you and the Lord. And if you haven't been giving God your best, maybe you've just been giving him the leftovers, maybe life has just taken over and your focus has gotten off and you come and you say, you know what, I got to deal with that sin. I got to get my worship right. I want you to begin to just say, Jesus, forgive me if my worship is off. Jesus, forgive me. I haven't been giving you my best. Jesus, forgive me. I haven't been making you the center of my life. I haven't been making you first. I've I've put other things. They've gained priority. Oh, God, forgive me. God, I repent today. Forgive me. I want to get my worship right. Give me your strength to get my priorities right. I want to put you first in my life. Oh, Jesus, we just come before you today. God, we desire that our worship would be right. We desire, oh God, to give you our best. We want to make you first. We're just not coming with the leftovers. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. So this morning, we come with our worship. We come, Lord, because you're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our best. You're worthy, Lord, of the best. You're worthy of all that we have to offer. So we come today, Lord, giving you our best and worship. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand today, and we're going to close just with worship, the song, Revelation song. If you want prayer today, maybe for a need, or maybe you just want to do business with God, maybe you want to spend some time just with the Lord, you're welcome to come to these altars today. You're welcome to come now, but let's just worship the Lord. I want you to give God your worship today. Let's give God your worship as we close, and then we'll pray over the food and and we'll get picnicking, but before that, come on, before we can really be joyful, let's give ourselves to the Lord today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.